Hey there, it's Amy. Welcome to ChirpCast. Encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Welcome to season four. If this is your first time listening, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Just kidding. You can start now. I am so excited and blessed to be able to continue doing ChirpCast. This is just something that God put on my heart two years ago, and my husband really encouraged me to keep thinking about it and to finally do it. He finally got me going because he bought me a microphone and he was like, okay, I spent money, now it's real. So here we are two years later, still studying the Bible together. I got some stuff to unpack today, so let's jump in. I started reading Judges about January. There are 21 chapters in in Judges and I have only got to about midpoint of chapter three. And this is going to tell you something about me. No, I am not a slow reader. But I really wanted to kind of soak in what it is that God was speaking to me as I was reading through the book of Judges. And I know that Judges is probably not one of those Bible books that you pick up and you're like, "Ooh, I can't wait to read this one. Because we think that the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they typically give you the whole life of Jesus and all the really cool miracles and stuff that he was doing. But I think it's important to look back and see um, kind of how humanity, I guess, (laughs) how we got to where we are. And I think it's important to look at the Israelites as kind of a baseline. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, In the beginning of Judges, I'll give you a little bit of background here. It opens with Joshua having died and the people are asking the Lord which tribe should attack the Canaanites. So these people, the Canaanites, they were crazy oddly religious in really terrible ways. (laughs) So the Canaanites, their religious practices included worship of many gods. They had temple prostitution, which was a, a very common practice for them, and also human and animal sacrifice. That was the way that they lived out their lives. That was the stuff that was common practice for them. God had told the Israelites, he told Judah to be the tribe to go and attack the Canaanites. And what they failed to do is, and it says nine times, actually, (laughs) I underlined it in my Bible with my red little handy dandy marker that I was using. And nine times it says that they failed to drive out the enemy. And sometimes it was very specific in the names of the tribes that they, or the people that they failed to drive out. But in a general sense, they failed to drive out the enemy. It was interesting because at the, probably the beginning of chapter two, the Lord says in chapter two, now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. So God had given them explicit instructions in Exodus actually to drive out all of the people that were living in this land because God knew that they had nothing but idol worship going on and they had sinful practices and they felt like it was normal. And God knew because, you know, he does that. He knows. He knows stuff. He knew that the people would be tempted and he said that. You didn't drive out these people and their gods now are going to be a constant temptation to you. I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times when we're trying to move forward in life, and I was just talking about this to my husband yesterday, 
before I recorded anything. And I said, it's kind of like if we had self-control when we're trying to go a different direction in life, when we're trying to get away from something, maybe it's not necessarily a sinful behavior, but it could be having self-control in a certain area. And what do we usually do? We try to avoid that temptation at all costs. If it's food, we don't want to go to parties because we know that the food's going to be delicious and we're going to want to partake. And so God knew that these idols and these people, the Canaanites, were going to be a temptation to the Israelites because, you know, they wanted to fit in, right? They wanted to be there even though they were kind of the ones in charge. But God knew that the practices and the idolatry of the Canaanites were going to be a constant temptation to them. So moving along a little bit, I thought that was really interesting. One of the things about the Canaanites, and it's so funny, I had a completely different direction when I was studying this and writing it out. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to talk about. And then I started studying and it was kind of like the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. I started in one area and it was like, God kind of took me on this wild scripture chase and then we ended up at a totally different place. So something that I think a lot of times people have either talked about, worried about, asked about, and that is generational curses. And if you have been in the church world for any amount of time, you've probably either asked this question or you've heard somebody else ask this question. And the question is, what is a generational curse? And what does it have to do with me and how do I break it? So we're going to unpack that a little bit today. I want to talk about what a generational curse is. Just so you know, it's not just a bad temper or maybe a history of divorce in your family, but it is a heart or a nature that is bent towards sin. It's the outcome of choices that we make. Our generational curses, if you will, they started with Adam. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. The curse of sin and death, it can only be broken by Jesus. And when we think about generational curses, well, a generation is typically 25 to 35 years. And the people of Israel, the problem that they had at some point was that they served the Lord. And then in Judges, I believe it's the end of chapter two, it says that no more Uh, The generation passed away, and none of them recalled the things that the Lord had done for them. So they didn't pass on talking about the things that happened when they were freed, talking about going through the whole exodus, talking about Moses. They completely decided that they were going to disregard God. That's kind of what Adam did when he made the choice to eat of the fruit that God specifically told him not to have. Well, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. There we have it. It's pretty cut and dry. And Romans 5, 15 through 16, it says, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. We receive a new family tree, if you will, when we are grafted into Jesus. 
Now, I started looking up the word grafted. I mean, I know what it means. I live on a farm. I'm sure that I have seen plenty of times when, say, a cane has kind of broken and it had to be grafted back into the vine, into the, the main stump. But when we talk about being grafted into God, Romans eleven seventeen, the second half, you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Okay, so I was like, so basically those of us who are Gentiles, which are not Jews, that's what a Gentile is, it is says that we come from a wild olive tree. So I was like, okay, well, what's the difference between a wild olive tree and a regular olive tree? (laughs) Is there a difference? I don't even know. So I looked it up and it's so interesting. I'm telling you, like God seriously took me on a, a little like Easter egg hunt here. So wild olive trees require a lot of time and there is a genetic exchange when they become fully grafted into the original olive tree. I think that that is so how we are, right? We require so much time (laughs) and God is so patient with us. Whenever we come to him as new Christians, he is so patient, even old Christians, really. He's so patient and there is a genetic exchange. We exchange our lives for his will. We're exchanging what we think that we should do or should have to be completely grafted in and changed to being part of who he is. And so there's this one other thing I thought was really interesting. Whenever something is grafted in, they have to have, there has to be an element of sap that is running through the tree and they cut that and they take the small piece. So for us, it would be us, the wild olive tree branch, and It is cut and it is put into and then is bound together. They tie it together and the sap eventually will start to flow from the main branch or trunk into that small piece that has been grafted in. And when it receives the sap, okay, seriously, this is so cool. It is like the lifeblood of the tree. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. It blows my mind. So when we are grafted into God, because of Jesus's blood, he brings us in and we are attached to the main olive tree, to God. I was like, that is so awesome. As I was reading that, I thought that was super cool. And the original olive tree, which is Jesus, produces healthy fruit, healthy olives, like it's it's healthy. And so when we think about, okay, so what does healthy look like? As a Christian, it's very easy. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, it gives us a list. I love lists because I like things simple. I don't want it to be difficult. I like when things are simple. I like instructions that are simple. I like pictures. And so Jesus gives us a very simple list here. And it says, this is the fruit that you will produce whenever you are grafted in. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those sound like awesome, amazing traits to have, right? As opposed to maybe the bad attitude that sometimes we choose to have or 
being impatient with other people. Whenever I think about having the fruit of the Spirit in my life, sometimes I feel like there are certain ones that I struggle with. I would have said for a very long time that patience is something that I struggle with, but I feel like patience has come with maturity. When I think about my my family, I have to think about, obviously, my grandma, and she is one of the most patient people that I have ever met in my entire life. Now, I was not raised by my grandmother. My mom was, <laughs> along with her six brothers and sisters, and I got to tell you, to have seven kids, you have to be like oh my gosh, the most patient person in the universe. (laughs) To have patience comes with maturity. I'm sure that when she had child number one, two, three, four, maybe five, I'm sure there were moments when she was not very patient with them, when she was like, you know what? Y'all just need to get outside and pull some weeds or do something else or go stack wood. That was my grandpa's favorite. Go stack the wood. (laughs) I think that for me, I've had to learn patience as I've matured, not just as an adult, but as a Christian, because the closer I get to Jesus, the more that this fruit of the spirit tends to show up in my life. Kindness. Kindness is not a hard thing for me, but for some people, being kind is is a difficult thing. Faithfulness to God, typically not a hard thing because my heart wants to do the right thing. I want to do what's right in God's eyes because I want to please him because out of that, it's because of thankfulness. I'm thankful for what he's done. I'm thankful for him allowing me to be grafted in and to be part of this new family tree, if you will, which is so cool because, you know, if we think about maybe our own personal family trees and we can look back and see what we would think of typically as like a generational curse. Jesus is saying you can trade in that pain, that hurt, that suffering. You can you can completely trade that in for the new family tree, for the new characteristics such as peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and yes, self-control is in there too, even though that's a difficult one. I would say that one's probably a little bit of a hard one for me. I'm still learning some self-control in a few different areas. But we do inherit certain traits or characteristics from from our natural family. But these are not set in stone. Jesus gives us a choice just as he did the Israelites. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11, the header there says the choice of life or death. That's what it says in my Bible. But if you read through that, it's basically God giving um, a call to make a choice. Verse 15 says, now listen, this is God talking. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death. And in the King James, I believe it's blessings or curses between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. See, God gave them a choice. He gives you a choice to receive his generous blessings or to suffer the curses. And the cycle of suffering doesn't have to continue. John eight thirty four through 36, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. 
So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. We are free because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Seems like the perfect lead-in for Easter, right? I mean, here we are, this close to Easter, and this is what God gives me. He shows me that we can choose to be free from the things that we feel hinder us and hold us back and tie us down to this earth. But he says that when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Friends, I hope that you are free today. I hope that you are blessed. And I hope that you'll continue joining me on this journey of Bible discovery and what God wants to speak to us. Thanks for listening today, and I'll catch you next time. 